Geico presents Unanswerable Questions. Why are yawns contagious? What makes some ketchup fancy? Or the big one? Why doesn't everyone switch to Geico when they could save 15% or more on car insurance? However, you could be a part of the answer by switching to Geico and saving hundreds for yourself. Money you could use to purchase bottle after bottle of the fanciest of ketchups. Geico, the answer to savings. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. And welcome to Aquarium Radio at AquariumRadio.com. I am your host, Janet Kerlesson. With my co-hosts today, we have Karen Christine Patrick and Teresa J. Morris. And we are interviewing experiencer Keith Andrews. And this is the Alien Contact Organization. Our website is AlienContactOrganization.com. And today is Saturday, December 18th, 2015. And we are simulcasting on blogtalkradio.com forward slash aquarium radio and blogtalkradio forward slash TJ Morris ET radio. And to listen, call uh, 347. Okay, wait. TJ's calling me. We're joining the show. Hold on. Okay, she's not uh, picking up her show for some reason. Let me call PJ. Karen, would you like to talk and start or uh, just uh, telling about the... Uh... Hi, who's Hello? talking? This is Karen. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> my voicemail started responding. Okay, PJ called and my voicemail with somebody else. And I, she's not here. Uh, if you go listen, this is her music. She has the sun on. I'm going to call her on her her, cell, her uh, home phone or cell phone. Karen, would you start reading the bio while I call TJ and pull her into the show? I'd be glad to. I love the live radio. You. you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, we got a really interesting. Oh, go ahead. She called me. Uh, okay, so I'm going to have to mute me okay. so I can go over and uh, use my home phone to call TJ. Isn't this fun? So you're going to oh, go ahead and fine. read. I'm going to mute my cell phone. And huh, I hope it doesn't mute the show. Well, let's try this. Okay, if I mute the cell phone, can you still talk? Okay. You start talking, and I'm going to mute. Hello. And if it mutes you, I'm okay, hoping hello, that hello. you we get this straightened out. Oh, hello. Okay, this is fun. It's a, <laughs> we have to roll with it, you know, and have good humor, and just that's life. And we have a really interesting guest with us. He's coming back to us from a previous show, 
and that would be Keith Andrews, and I'm going to read about uh, his very interesting story. Uh, on the show, we focus on Keith's life as an experiencer and the various extraterrestrials he encountered, as well as his paranormal and out-of-the-box experiences. Keith is an experiencer and was present at the Experiencer Speak Conference in August in Portland, Maine, and was a witness to blue beings who visited there. They looked perhaps like human hybrids. They came to hear Travis Walton speak and were witnessed by 20 people at the conference, including John Pope, who's normally a co-host here on Friday nights on Aquarium Radio. And the uh, Ken might have the only picture of the beings from his camera, so I hope someday he'll share that. But he's got a fascinating story. And uh, uh, from his website he says, When making initial contact with anyone, I look for integrity in their hearts with which they operate. Boy, that's a good thing. I don't care what race, religion, age, or gender they are, as long as they treat others with respect. And he works with experiencers and contactees. And Keith, are you with us? I am. Thank you very much for having me here. I was hoping you weren't muted. <laughs> so, yeah, no, Keith, I, I'm really glad you came back. I have actually been talking to other people about our conversations that we had last time. And if you want to go ahead and introduce a little bit more of yourself, go ahead. Well, essentially, um, essentially, it's the, the easiest way to put it is I was born into, into this situation. Um, the day I was born... I actually ran into the Council of Twelve. Well, in a nutshell, I died the day I was born. And quite frankly, in my terms, I wanted to go home. And the Council of Twelve stopped me and said, no, you can't. You signed a contract. You have a major job to do on this planet. You're not going home yet. So, you know, go ahead. I said that's amazing. I, I I had a bit of a sense of mission when I was five years old, but I ha that's amazing that, you know, you kinda saw what was coming when you came to come here and and probably wanted to go back. I don't blame you there. But yeah, that's I, well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go ahead. You know, I, I always held that the planet that the people of this planet were built backwards and as it turns out, it was actually me that was built backwards. Because yeah. I came in I, I arrived here knowing what was happening, knowing what was going to happen. And, you know, the, the big issue from my end, the the big difference between that I found between me and most experiencers is most people that get, to, that get taken or get introduced to, to off-worlders, they come back with a sense of something is wrong, something has to be changed. Um, but they don't know how or they don't know why. They just know something is wrong. And in some cases, they know, for instance, the water supply has to be straightened out. The energy consumption needs to be corrected. The difference in my case is I came back not only knowing it had to be done, but knowing and knowing why. Of course, because of the because of the fact I couldn't really um, articulate what was wrong, it became very difficult for people to, to deal with it. Net result, I became reclusive very quickly. So, you know, over the years, I spent more time off-world than I did on-world. You know, like, I, I deal with people, but I was far more at home in the you know in starships and on different planets than I ever was here. 
I can relate to that. I can relate to that feeling of being uh, an outsider or an observer um, or feeling like, um, in my case, uh, in my home we had uh, people talking about the wars that were going on, the Vietnam War and things like that, and feeling like uh, we were still doing duck and cover under the desk, you know. Um, Right. the, The nuclear, well, they said riots, but it was for nuclear stuff. So it's like, what, your very young age, you get an impression, what is going on here? (laughs) <laughs> What's going well, on on this planet? <laughs> yeah, and the the drawback, of course, was that people um, couldn't figure out. Like, for me, I knew why they were doing it. What didn't make sense to me, and this is why I became reclusive, was the number of people I witnessed. Because I grew up on a military base. And so many people claim to love each other, and yet would beat the daylights out of each other under that same name. And, I, you know, I found the same thing with the religions. People would go to church or go to the synagogue or to the mosque. Okay. Well, that was different. We're ringing. <laughs> I think we're trying to bring in other people. But Hi. I understand. Oh, Hi. Sorry. We got, we got everybody. So you were talking about the mosque and the synagogue and the church. Um, so TJ is here. We'll you get to a logical end where you are, and then we'll bring everybody on with like uh, hi. But go ahead. You were talking about how people go to the church. And yeah, I, I found that everybody, you know, so many people were going to these different religious or spiritual out, outlets. Even in modern, you know, in the modern times, they're going to more of the what they call New Age. And what I'm finding is they all talk about peace, and yet 80% of the wars on this planet in history have been caused by the churches. Now, something is really wrong with the message that's being put out. Okay, well, and this I is... this. I have an opinion on that, but let, we'll, go, ahead, go ahead and you talk about that, and then we can pass that around. I, and I have an opinion on that. This is Janet speaking. Go <laughs> yeah, ahead. I do too. Finish your <laughs> Okay, so we'll go round table on that issue. Sounds good. Okay, go ahead and finish, Keith, on your train of thought. Okay, so one of, one of the big things that, that I'm looking at is, and one of the big things I came back here for, that I returned to this planet for, was to help people realize that it doesn't matter what you call a higher power or who you put in, in a political seat. Everybody is equal. Everybody is still on this planet, most of them are human, and even the ones that aren't. If you treat, uh oh, breaking up. Uh oh. Okay. Up. All right, try that sentence again. Is he I said, if people would get it, if people would get it straight, that it doesn't matter what church or synagogue or mosque they go to or what political party they follow or what race people are, right? If they treat them the way they personally desire to be treated, this planet will be a lot more prosperous. You know, this idea of that people, they talk about race wars between the you know, the the yellow-skinned people, i.e. the Orientals and the Caucasians or with the blacks, frankly, they're all human. So it's not a race war. And 
this is what people have to realize is that the real problem that is uh, that is arising is with the amount of negativity that people are generating and this is already proven by the scientists it is killing the planet it's tearing the planet the very thing that you need to survive on the negative interactions are killing it okay you know and this, this is one of the this is one of the things that we're, that we're actually trying to sort out, trying to get people to realize. The other big misnomer is that people have this idea that some, that the off-worlders, that the aliens are here to take over the planet. And, you know, they couldn't be further from the truth. Because if any one of the of the off-world races wanted to take over the planet... Frankly, the war would be over within 24 hours and, the man, and mankind wouldn't know it had started until it was too late. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the standing joke amongst the off-worlders is the fact that humans have this idea that they're really good at war, they're really good at, at conquering each other. You know, they're really good at this issue of, of the fighting. And yet... The common question up there on the on the ships is if they're so good at it, why is there a population rise? You know, this is the thing that that people have to realize. If you start working together, you'll actually get further ahead. Right. I, I would say we're better at something else other than fighting if the population is going up. <laughs> Yes, but I think we're trying to keep this on it. <laughs> yeah, I think we're good at procreating, but that, that's fun that you're hearing uh, humor from off-worlders that had the same, you know, this, they're, they're kind of looking at us and we're kind of absurd and it doesn't lead, does lead to some humorous observations. Definitely. Thank you. You know, the, now, I know where when I first started, when, I, when we first came on the show today, I mentioned this issue of it doesn't really matter which religion. You know, they, the religions on the whole are behind a good 80% of the wars. And pardon me for not remembering names here. I'm not good at it at the best of times. But one of you mentioned that you had an opinion on that side of it. Yes, I do. It's Janet. So when you're, when you're ready to pass the... And TJ has an opinion. So we both have opinions on that. We like things we want to express. But go ahead and uh, let us know when you're done and you're passing the talking stick, and then we'll take it and address well, that. And I'm sure ultimately, ultimately what it boils down to is there's three major miscalculations um, that, are, that are taking place. Okay. One is people think that the off-worlders, and I'm talking in general, I'm not talking one specific person, but in general, people seem to think that aliens, primarily reptilians, are here to take over the world. Well, frankly, no. On the whole, they're here to actually help. The problem is that the governments that they've had, that they've tried to work through, and the corporations that they have given different medical procedures to that would help, 
the governments have broke the contracts, and and I'm talking on the whole, and corporations have simply withheld the information. Now, the sad reality of that is that mankind is responsible for the delay in releasing this information, and it's based on partly on, well, primarily on greed. But something that people are overlooking is where it comes to this whole idea of free energy. Now, free energy is a great concept, and it is necessary, it is available. But we must remember that in order to implement the free energy that everybody talks about having and it would be so great, you have to remember if you don't modify the rest of the, of the planet's superstructure that is built on fossil fuels, all of a sudden releasing or turning over to free energy would absolutely devastate the planet. It would devastate civilization beyond recognition. Okay. Okay. Second. Go ahead. Let's let's do one point at a time. Can you bookmark the the second uh, what you're going to do next? Because uh, I think it'd be good to. These are very important points. So TJ, you wanted to address the religion issue. Okay, we have religion issue. We have free energy issue. Now that'll destabilize the economy, I guess. And uh, we have three issues, uh, the religion, the free energy, and the, the wars. If the aliens wanted to take over, they would have already. Okay. TJ, would you like to take a turn and address those three issues, free energy, religion, and the ET wars? Well, they all are basically words, and the words separate us. And as long as we're off planet, which is preferably where all my goddess interdimensional being part of me, when we talk about I, you, we, they, he, she, it, it separates us. And most of it take on the royal we against they. And we don't even know who they is. So therefore, it's all uh, constructed inside the paradigm or the uh, matrix or the fishbowl or whatever you do to use words. So basically, if we go all the way back up to prime and mortal and immortal and who we are, that's what we need to do is raise us all back up to when we were all the original. When we come down here to the planet, and it doesn't matter on what level interdimensional being or what phase in between your being, we, we actually create these things. And if we all know that and we're down here doing this and we say this is the game of life, then all of us playing together, what are we doing other than communicating information to each other? And if it's all about communication, then if we all know at some level that we're multidimensional, interdimensional beings, it doesn't matter what religion or what war or what separation or if we all understand free energy. And we do. So it's trying, I don't know, trying is lying is what Janet says, but the thing is we're all already... <laughs> originals we're all original source and we've separated into these physical beings and on this planet we're called sentient intelligent beings and so many of us are working at various being of the original uh the we and so all these topics we separate we need we need or we don't need to understand and so each person my mother on this planet the physical mother uh, I guess one would say in this reality, 
is my biological mother, taught me to live and let live. And she lived during the Depression. And that was what her mother taught. And it worked well for them. But they saved tinfoil paper bags and all that. But they were all raised. Now, she remembered as a child listening to the radio about the Hitler uh, movements and her relatives in, in Poland. They were German Jews and then married the Irish and coming over, the poor Irish. So it was sort of a Polish-German Jew, not German, Polish-Jew, Irish mentality that was starving in America. And so I, when I came to my 50s with me coming to planet Earth through my mission for the Ascension Age, it was all about raising that consciousness. So fortunately for me, I got to work with extraterrestrials and many other beings out there interdimensional but she kept saying Jan you know don't believe in that but it was all words you know so I learned that the peace is the love and love is the peace and all those things that separate us are for whatever in the all amount of who we are so we have to accept that all these are just what topics to talk about but we see that the to keep our bodies alive and that's where the world is going in this virtual reality is the fact that they're looking at all this rolling reality and the changes and at the world uh, banks and the United Nations and all those things we've created together. Though They are actually evolving, and it's evolving so commonly fast that they don't want to talk about the basic issues because to them they're moot points now. So I get what we're talking about, but those three things to me are just – they're evolving so quickly, nobody can get a handle on it. So all of us as evolved humans, I guess one would say on this show, is the fact that we are all conscious to the fact that all these things are just, what? Do we want to say they're man-made and we're man? You know, you get what I'm saying? So I like to bring the conversation up to a higher level. But I really don't know, you know, I just have a thing about that on the people that do the separation. But that would still go back to the positive, negative, push, pull, dark, light, this, the whole dichotomy, right? I mean, if you really want to, mm-hmm. I guess, get rid of the dichotomy, but I don't right. know how we're going to do that. So the solution no, is. No, I think that <laughs> I think the dichotomy is the uh, the stage upon which the play unfolds. And so until we figure out something else, we we have the dichotomy. and we But we can make the dichotomy less dichotomous by bringing in the, pull, the poles into the center of our um, so I want to just address the the religion aspect. You know, to me, uh, you asked about, and I forgot the question now, but you were talking about how... Well, interdimensional uh, to me. It's interdimensional. Wait, I, I want to go back to what Keith, what Keith said. I want to go back to Keith's original comment. Um, yeah, we have too many too many um, subjects at one time. Let's uh, go back to Keith and just... I, I can't figure out what I was going to say. It was something about the religions. They were created by the Anunnaki. They're there to separate us in, on purpose because that's their control mechanism, how they control the population. And I know there's many other species, and the other species are coming in to intervene, and there's a non-interference clause, and, and there's people that are interfering despite the non-interference clause. And, and I agree that if there were ET wars, they would have wiped us out already, but they may, not have, they may be wiping us out in another way which is having us pit, pit it one against the other. And so uh, the ultimate well, goal is the control manipulation of humanity, which is, seems to be pretty effective. But go ahead, Keith. Well, two things. Number one, um, <laughs> number one, if you, if you think in terms of trying to wipe us out by putting one human against another, clearly that's a failed approach. Okay. 
the the well, ironic I part think of it's it. It's a long term vision. It's a long term vision. So yes, they they purposely have us uh, producing and creating a massive seven and a half billion you know population. But that could be like the critical mass to just wipe out the whole species because we're you know we're swimming in our own shit and we're dying. Um. Well. Okay. How do I put this? Mm-hmm. The, this is where things where the amount of propaganda that's out there has gotten really off track for most people. You see, when you look at a civilization, when it gets to the point of having the numbers that are on this planet, first, we've got to realize that mankind is no longer relegated to only Earth. Now, sad to say, what you're being told by by the media, by the by the governments and what have you, is simply put about... Uh, where are we? We're about 40 to 50 years behind what they've been up to. When they came out just a couple of years ago and said they landed a Mars rover, right, and said we we made this massive breakthrough, yeah, they did. Back in the late 70s, they landed on Mars. Okay, mankind is so far off of Earth already this isn't a question of trying to wipe anybody out. The problem, the, the biggest challenge that the off-worlders have with mankind is two factors that mankind has that the other races don't have. One is an is a incredible drive to survive against all odds. And two is that you're looking at mankind's capacity to turn around and take the most logical approach to something, go completely in a different direction, and still win. That capacity... So it's a game. It is a game. Well, for it mankind be it bored. is, but mankind <laughs> is better at it. Okay. You know, it, it really is kind of a, a weird setup. They're not... The, the off-worlders aren't trying to control man not from the standpoint of let's segregate them and wipe them out. Because let's face it, any one of the races, whether they happen to be off-worlders or even worse, the ancient races that are still on this planet, if they really wanted to wipe mankind out, there wouldn't be any of this discussion of when it was going to happen. The other races that have evolved to the point of having this kind of population and even the borderline technologies, it doesn't implode. It colonizes. It's just like a beehive. Okay, you get too many people on the planet, or what people consider too many, because rest assured, this planet has no shortage of food, no shortage of oil, and certainly no shortage of land. But what happens when people get this issue, get thinking, and I'm referring to any race in this case, when they start thinking they're running out of room, they start looking at colonizing other planets. That has already begun. So the idea that they're trying to bring the population to critical mass is a massive misguided piece of information that's been dropped out there. We still have Fukushima. We still have uh, outrageous pollution, that, and we still have our oceans dying and, all, and ma- mass ex- extinction of species. So there's something going on. I'm not naive. 
I understand what you're saying. Absolutely there is. But there's still something going on. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. We don't really know because we don't have the information. It's being repressed and hidden. I'm very aware. Um, TJ was in the Secret Space Program, and she could share a little bit about her involvement with the, the ship that's outside of Mars and uh, the one behind the moon and with the Roswell craft. So TJ was military working in the Secret Space Program. She's like Randy Kramer. And so uh, I have some awareness from her and the other people we've interviewed about the Secret Space Program. So, yes, it's way in advance. And there is some agenda that is playing with population and the concept that we are stuck here, we're earthbound. For most people, the average person, they're, they're not going to get off this planet in their lifetime. The only way they're going to get off is they die. Because of Absolutely this, whatever, correct. Whoever this is controlling this planet is controlling the paradigm, is controlling the information, and they're in control. Now, will there come a time where the extraterrestrials will free us from this matrix? And that's what um, Karen brings to the table. She worked with the A.R. Borden Linkage Institute. Um, A.R. Borden was working with the extraterrestrials to uh, change the paradigm so that the the information is distributed to humanity. Unfortunately, he either died or had to disappear because he asked that of the um, ETs that he was working with. So let's have Karen take a little turn to interject her reality into this this group gestalt we have out here, and then we'll go back to Keith's story, because I think you have a lot of pieces of this information that are critical, but it's okay, because we can do more than one show. We don't have to cover it all in one show. It's not a we don't have a an agenda, we're just free-flowing with conversation. Karen, would you like to add your two cents? Yeah, I, I sit in a couple of weird nexuses related to all of this. One is, in working with A.R. Borden, one of the things that he was on about, especially in the last couple of years, was how humanity needed to have awareness of itself within the galactic paradigm. We needed to reach a maturity point where we all had a common vision and a common uh you know, consensus of ourselves enough, you know, to graduate in a sense from the kiddie table at the dinner to the adult table. We work in that middle area. And one of the things impeding our ability to develop a sense of ourselves as a species like that is the fact that we think we're all by ourselves in the universe. So we do have a what John Alexander and a few others called a soft disclosure going on, uh, you know, everyone in the nerd world knows that the Star Wars movie came out yesterday. And um, <clears throat> part of what the uh, our entertainment and media has been doing is giving us um, the galactic history and a lot of information about, uh, and I totally agree with what Keith just said about how our space paradigm or what we're told, we're not, we were just recently told that Mars has water, you know, and uh, uh, which was very interesting because my partner, Brett Shepard, found a, a, a very clear, it's either a UFO perched on top of a ravine or it's a observation deck of an underground base, as clear as a bell, on one of the Mars orbiter images. And, you know, something like that wasn't built yesterday. It's probably been there a while. And I, I made a poster just for fun that I'm really glad that these people living in this dome are super glad that, that NASA discovered water on the Mars, you know. I was just kind of kind of trying to be funny there. But with the idea that, of course, there's water on Mars, you know. Uh, the various earliest uh, exams, examinations of Mars, was they said there were canals there and whatnot. So he's right. Uh, our space program that we have, our space agencies, are, are brandy, branded corporations. They are not our real space. Uh, entities, and we're we're left in the dark, but we're bringing 
we're being brought along, you know, more than we know. It's just a matter of people realizing our science fiction is our science fact, and that would change the pattern. But I have literally told science fiction buffs, I mean hardcore science fiction buffs, Star Wars, Star Trek, what have you, I've looked them straight in the eye and I've said it's all real. <laughs> and they they act like they didn't say anything and they go buy another action figure. I mean, that's a weird uh, hypnosis that's going on. That A.R. Borden uh, was t- trying to bring out information from secret sources that ne- didn't necessarily want him to do so. And then in this recent year, uh, I've been working with Dr. Ken Johnston, um, who was a NASA whistleblower, and I've gotten to see his archives of photos and everything. And uh, my partner, Brett, and I are trying to bring that information to the world because there's a discrepancy between his archives and pictures and what was given to the public, particularly in our digitized databases of NASA NASA images. They've branded the moon project, for instance, the entire moon concept, is that moon is sort of a black and white world, you know. And his photos are in color. I mean, this was not, a, a, the moon is not black and white, and it's not made of green cheese either. They, uh, they have a, uh, the, the earth being, a, I call it tidy bowl blue, you know, that bright, bright blue, which it's fun to say we have a blue planet, but actually in the, in the images I've been seeing, we have sort of a bluish-green planet. The water's bluish-green because it has lots of wonderful algae in it, giving us oxygen, thank you. Um, and But they've got these false images out there, and some people in different uh, anomaly groups have discovered this, that we have false images of the Earth as well. So we don't have a straight-up narrative at all telling us just basic stuff, like what color is the moon, what you know, what color is the Earth, just, just basic stuff like that that, that is coming out, and we're, betty, we're, we're heading into the grand reveal or the surprise aha moment when we realize we've been lied to massively. And that's going to be difficult. It's been difficult. You know, I know it. Like I've been working with anomalies for a few years, and I know that we're not being told the straight thing, but sometimes I'll see an image and it'll really sink in. And it, it, it's wondrous, and it pisses you off at the same time. <laughs> so uh, what... Uh, what we're there's a paradigm galactic uh, around us observing us, watching us uh, ground crew humans. Part of our uh, problem is we're just completely kept in the dark about almost everything space related, and I hope we're being brought into a process where we'll have that awareness, we'll be ready for it, but it will be a shock for a lot of people, and it's a shock because we're in a false paradigm. We're in a consensus reality show if you turn off the media for a while and get back to nature you realize how how separated our cyberspace world of ourselves is from our planet earth and the natural world and believe me our off-world friends and and all this this is part of the natural universe as well it's not science fiction it's part of, of the evolution of other species that were here before we were and now we're on motherships and ones that have visited us that's the natural universe and we're we're with SETI and all these other programs. They keep trying to tell us we're all by ourselves, and we certainly are not. And I love all you guys for coming out uh, with this information because people need to know we are not only we're not alone. It's a bit crowded out there, actually. So uh, that's my two cents for right now. Go ahead. <laughs> Back to you, Keith. See the neat part about the 
the, the neat part about the, the whole paradigm that's being broadcast, if you will, is very easy to solve if people would do one thing. And that is simply, and don't get me wrong, the radio, the TV, they're, they're useful, they are great tools. But the thing that people keep forgetting is step outside your front door and meet your neighbor. The reason I say that is because there is so much fear being, being broadcast and so much negative garbage. That, and don't get me wrong, negative things happen. But the problem is that it's a well-known fact amongst the people doing it. Whatever gets broadcast is what gets replicated. So if you broadcast that everybody's getting murdered or ripped off or, you know, you're, they're getting, you know, the companies are being embezzled, lied about, that's what people are going to focus on. Okay. Now, the, the reality of it is, I, mean, I did an article on this some time back, about society and about the stability or the fragility of it, if you will. If you take a totally stable economy and you tell people it is going into a recession, you broadcast this en masse over the media, people will naturally stop spending. They will start hoarding their, their belongings and what have you. Jobs, sales will drop, jobs will be lost, and we will go into a recession. If you take that same stable economy and you tell people we're going into a boom, people will automatically start spending more money, more jobs, more sales will happen, jobs will, will climb. We're in a boom. People have to realize that the term sheeple, and by the way, this applies to not only humans, Every race out there has the same problem. Just because they've got bigger toys does not mean they've got it all sorted out. If they did have it all sorted out, there wouldn't be a three-way galactic war going on right now. Or more to the point, three galactic wars taking place in the same sector. You know, it's, it's not a question of because they're off-worlders, they're all of a sudden more intellectually, you know, more, they're wiser. They just happen to have bigger toys. And Can you tell us about the galactic people... wars? What do you mean by that? What's, there's three galactic wars going on. Most people don't know that information. Could you uh, tell us a little bit more about that, please? Absolutely. Now, okay. one of them, okay, is between... The, what I grew up knowing is Rosazians and Teklex. Rosazians are your eight, seven and a half to eight and a half foot reptilians. They are actually allies of Earth. They are allies of mankind. They are not, as a matter of fact, no reptilian race on the whole is here to try and screw up the political system. That's a neat little 70s side effect. Um, but they are in an all-out war and have been at war for years, well, quite frankly, for centuries, with the Teklex. Now, the Teklex are the four-and-a-half to five-and-a-half-foot raptor-like reptilian. Now, with the, with the Teks, they originally spotted Earth from their planet, and because they were facing a, essentially an extinction-level invasion, they, they spotted Earth, realized it had the minerals that they needed, 
to facilitate their survival, so they came here. When they got here, they found out that mankind was also here, and this was the part they didn't know. But when they ran into mankind, they found out, well, by gosh, they were tasty. So the general (laughs) consensus was, let's strip the planet of the minerals and the people. That caused a civil war amongst the Teklex. They've got a, a major faction going back and forth trying to, yes, they know they need the minerals, but they have a problem with wiping out a planet or stripping the planet bare, for that matter, so the indigenous population can't survive. The third war that's going on is amongst a number of different fronts that are vying for control of this sector because of the transcompatial radiation and reconvergence that is happening right here, that energy that is being generated on a subquantum level is of extreme value to the technological advancement of whoever takes dominant control of it. Okay. Now, just to make matters more complicated, we have the Galactic Consortium, which is here to simply keep a balance point and make sure that Earth maintains its own rule by the human population and doesn't get wiped out in the process. So much of mankind has its own little wars going on. Um, Well, simply put, they're not the only ones having a war. And this is why Mm -hmm. I say that just because the off-worlders have bigger toys doesn't mean they've got more wisdom necessarily. Does that make sense? TJ, that makes sense. TJ, can you convey to us what you were involved with in your uh, 18 military involvement? What was the the structure that you were encountering? Were there wars going on? Was it a peaceful? You said it was, I called like a, um, I called the the barge ships, mother ships, but that was a battle star ship or something like that. Can you uh, tell us more about what you encountered when you were on board your ship that you brought on board? Sure, without biting my tongue. <laughs> I'll try yeah, to get around around my physical body. Yeah, <laughs> for those listening, I've worked with those that are like us, and so that's why we say we are they. And, of course, everyone knows my tagline is alien civilizations exist. And my mission-driven purpose was uh, for souls. And we're on a harvesting type of uh, situation from, I guess, one would say similar to the Anunnaki and their parents and their parents and so on and so forth. However, I've never crossed anything with uh, any of the stories of uh, anything to do with uh, any type of amphibians other than the stories of old in the history on the planet. And that's what we've seen in our archives are the things that are repeated over and over on the planet as uh, ancient cultures because you don't see any amphibious type of humans walking around on the planet. So that's how we deal with that is uh, to its folklore. On the other hand, those that look like me as a human, a white Anglo-Saxon sentient intelligent being, we seem to have some type of popularity 
in many parts of this particular cosmos and in the various levels of the universe, multiverse, metaverse, universe, omniverse, and so on and so forth. And when we came down to this particular area, the part that I worked with, it's like Star Wars and Star Trek, like you say, and uh, the Inuit and Gene Roddenberry and all those that have been on the inside, those beings apparently come and share and rewrite history, and some bring it back to the fact that, yes, we were in Mars, and, yes, it was colonated, and, yes, it was very futuristic, and then this planet has been that same way. And that's my understanding. And we recolonize over and over again, and we do terraform. And, yes, there are those out there that will strip the planet. And, Janet, you've heard me talk over and over about that. And, yes, there are certain right. minerals so that they won't let us stop have. There. Let's stop there. Let's stop there. So you said, I got your story before, the Iran warship was outside of Mars, and there's a uh, like a stargate or a wormhole. What do you call it? A wormhole? Wormholes and it opens in up space. Here. Okay, so it's a wormhole in space, and it opens periodically, and there is a species that is kind of like um, the Klingons or times a thousand, and they just come in rape, pillage, plunder, and so there is some kind of protective mechanism for in when... In another complete cosmos. When, yeah, another they're from another cosmos complete cosmos. And okay, here, okay, scientifically, universe. most people only speak to words that have been formed prior in ancient cultures. And that's why we have this etymology system, right? And I think you refer in the Anunnaki stories of the Tower of Babel, and they separated them because they were building a tower back up. You know, that's part of the ancient lore on this planet. And yet some people go back prior to that, and that's where a lot of the information comes from. But with those I've worked with, I, I strongly suggest that what you, Janet, refer to as the secret the space wars with this particular planet, uh, I don't know about the, I cannot, you know, speak to the amphibious or any of that other than the stuff I've heard on YouTube with some of the great speakers of that. And you know who they are. Everybody does if they're into the alien ET UFO community. But all those were stories. Now, these beings that I've been with that have told me those were, they've showed me videos on plane, off-planet in real space war time, like we're going to be seeing Star Wars. And they are those that live like the Star Trekians, and there are those that live like those in Star Wars. And that's what I'm told. Now, I don't know that because I haven't experienced it. So to address what I've experienced, not what I've read, but what I've gotten direct from spirit, is separate interdimensionally than those in the 3D reality. So uh, with this war thing going on, that could be uh, true. I mean, what's truth anyway, except one's own personal experience? So with these beings that I've been working with, there's various levels. And what I was told, they knew me before I was born. Well, that goes with the you know, Bible Belt. They know you before you're born, and you come here, and you die, and you're mortal, and your spirit goes on, and you're sinned. So that's sort of my culture. And that culture, from what I understand, is also adopted above, as above, so below. So those beings that are working with what, uh, Janet, you call allegedly, purportedly, the secret space program, they are us. And they are having people like me born here and other beings like me born here and they work uh, directly in uh, unison. However, with the Galactic uh, Supreme High Council, which you know about, and you've gone before the council yourself mm-hmm. in spirit form, 
we have to look at all the various levels that we are. And I'm only coming to grip, having died a few times, that I am an interdimensional being, not only immortal, but dimensional. So we're having to look at all of that. And I believe that they are more brilliant than we are. I believe they are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years older than us. So what we're learning here is we're getting our comeuppance or our kudos, because why else are we here? And most of the people I work with at Send a Master Above Levels, they're all uh, returns or rejects, if you want to, <laughs> with words. We're either retards, rejects, or <laughs> but we choose to come back here, whether we die or whether we go off and work in the space, secret space program. But how to put the whole story together with Roswell is based on, yes, the reality is we have those type of spacecraft in regarding those that you call like war, like Tom did. That was videos that I saw on board ship, and it was hard for me to accept, except that they raped and pillaged one of the grays, you know, there's various types of grays and blues, et cetera, et cetera. And when they they uh, went to take them back, they served their two years, because we all served two years minimum, and their two years was up, and they went to take them back, and they went back, and it's like being in a Star Wars movie. You go back to the planet, and, and it's raped and pillaged and red like Mars. And you're like, what the hey? Mm. So that's a video. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, they said that was a documentary, okay? And here on this mm-hmm. planet, we have a problem between fantasy and reality anyway. So when I was there, my mind wanted to tell me it was fantasy, but they were saying, no, this is a documentary and a reality. So you tell me, is that my experience? And how do I accept mm-hmm. that other than my education in this alleged purportedly well, space program? That's- that's true of anything you encounter in life because you watch the news and how's that really watching? I mean, anything you don't personally witness, you don't know if real or not, even those things you witness, you know, you, you could work it because of your perspective. It, it goes through your filters and your judgments. Uh, let's give Karen a moment here because she hasn't talked for a while. Karen, what would you like to add to the conversation and back to Keith? I really like where you guys went because about the human experience aspect, and this is one of the biggest things I'll, I think I'll be working with in 2016 is the experiencers movement. And part of what is happening, and, and I've sort of dubbed 2016 as the year, uh, a need to tell. It's the year of the need to tell. We've had the the need to know where all this information is coming out. And now um, it's, it's not fast enough or far enough or, or accurate enough for a lot of people. It leaves them behind because we mainly have this hierarchical construct of our information. We look for experts to tell us and interpret what, how the facts should be put together. And what we're finding is that hierarchical system is separated or, or just too far distant from our human experience. And where people are saying, uh, you know, They'll see something where somebody will mock um, experiencer, and they will say, "Oh, they're tinfoil hat wearing strange people." And they're, the experiencer is saying, "No, this is a real experience for me as a person." And we've generally given the floor to people who interview experiencers in the in discovering a case. Like, okay, here's the crash site. Here's the material. Here's the witness, and the witness becomes part of the case, kind of like a specimen. And the number one question that the hierarchical leadership says is, is this person credible or not? 
And I've been digging into that word credibility because it comes up time and time again. I have experiencers say, well, I I say this much about my uh, event or experience, but I'm afraid to say more because I, I don't want to seem like it was incredible or not to be credible. And then digging into that word, the concept of credible, it's like the diploma on the wall, right? It's some entity of an organization or some a group or some hierarchical leaders make a certificate and they say, they give it to the person who's gone through the program and they say, we accredit you. It's an accreditation. And the problem with that is that is controllable and corruptible, that system. And that's why I'm not personally anymore really looking for disclosure of any uh, open and honest and transparent way from the government because they are got their fingers in too many pies that are not uh, the kinds of values that I have. So me as an experiencer, I have to become my own center, take back that authority from another governing body and say, I am, this is my testimony, this is my experience. We're, going, we're coming to a point where we're going to recognize that our leadership is corruptible and it, we're going to have a flip. In other words, it's not going to be authority by title like the President of the United States says they're aliens uh, or the Pope or something like that, a, a credible leader in a hierarchy structure, but rather it's going to be authority by experience. I saw that. I witnessed that. That happened to me. And that those voices will rise up, and that's what's happening is that people want to hear the story from the witness, from the person who had the experience. So this is the the philosophical shift that I hope and and mm-hmm. I see is coming. So that's my bit. <clears throat> With that, back to Keith, the experiencer who had the experience. <laughs> uh, go ahead and tell us, uh, you can comment on what was just said, or you can tell us a little bit more about your experiences, or wherever you want to go. Back to you, Keith. Well, I, w- I was just thinking, you know, when you brought up the issue of, you know, this disclosure thing, um, you know, and getting a government or something to, you know, a government or an official body to stand up and say, it's official, they're here. And I just want to bring attention to the to the listeners that last year, or no, this year, just this, just a few months back, there was an historical say, uh, the historical site in great in uh, in Greater Barrington, uh, Massachusetts, combined with the local government, the government of the U.S. and the U.N. All combined and erected a monument that cites an act of what they have all said is a credible, definitive off-world abduction. Now, they've got a monument built. Now, that's about as much of a statement of, if you will, um, a government body coming out and saying it's real as you can get, because everybody, whether they believe or not, is going to see the thing. Okay. I've actually, myself, I've actually spoken to the, I've spent quite a number of hours talking to the gentleman that was taken during that particular abduction, which is Tom Reed. And, you know, when you talk about disclosure, I do agree. The, the people that have the information are the ones that have gone through it. 
you know, the people that have been taken have ended up on the different planets, right, have okay. ended up in starships and looking back at Earth going, well, this is insane. You know, we're told one thing. Something I find rather fascinating is when you take a look at the school system on this planet, the pedagogical system is about as confused as it can get. They teach in modern science there are only nine planets in orbit around the soul, around our primary star. Mm-hmm. The problem is that NASA has the has the information on twelve planets that are actually on thirteen planets in orbit around the star today. Okay, for instance, Earth, Terra is actually not the third rock from the sun, but it's the fourth one. Now, when you start looking at that, and you start realizing that mankind, has, they, they come together, what seems to happen is every time there's a massive cataclysm, that the people tend to pull together. They forget about skin color, they forget about gender, they concern themselves on the whole with how do we survive and how do we make things, you know, how do we get through this? Now, you know, people talk about all these different possibilities and the fact that the paradigm has to change, which is correct. But what people have to realize is that in order to do that, the individuals have to start with themselves and the first thing and this is why I've always told people well pretty much always if you want your neighborhood just your local neighborhood to be safe then get to know your neighbor don't wait for the police to come in and tell you there's a problem get to know your neighbor when it first shows up and you will find that there is far more similarity between you then there is differences, and that is what makes the neighborhood safe. By extrapolation or by expansion, one neighborhood to the next, you deal with the next neighborhood. And again, you will find that that is the way of changing things. You know, there, there are three karmic laws that encompass all religious guidelines that I've come across, and when I'm talking about all religions, I don't just mean Terran-based. I mean the off-worlders as well. The three karmic laws that hold dominance over all of them, or more to the point, encompass all of them, are be true to yourself first, do unto others as you desire them to do unto you, and energy out, energy in. Now, this is not one being more important than the other. This is all three equally important. Okay. And what you'll find is when people start doing that, instead of focusing on how do we shoot each other and kill each other, how do we help each other, how do we grow, how do we prosper, that is where the turning point comes and we can get things back to where they were back when the when we walked the halls of, of Lemuria. Okay, which is a whole lot older than what Atlantis ever was. You know, the the difficult part here is when you take a look at the at the technology that 
the different races are using. Like this, this wormhole or this gate, if you will, on the other side of Mars is quite a well-known location amongst the, you know, amongst the, the confederation, you know, amongst the, the consortium. Because let's face it, it makes it a whole lot easier. There's a big enough gap on the other side of Mars because Cruinia, which is a planet that's actually there, um, but there's a big enough gap that they can have a stable, a stable hole there, a stable gateway that can be activated at certain times without damaging the area, without causing a, a problem. And, you know, the other thing that I just want to touch on, much like we know Mars has water on it, we know Mars has more going on than that, than what people are telling us, what people don't realize is the moon also has a thin atmosphere. They just don't want to tell anybody. Like, as in the governments don't want to tell anybody. But I caught wind of a neat little project being done that's going to have ramifications that are incredible. And that is that the International Space Agency, and I'm talking about the Terran one, is planning on moving an asteroid into orbit around the moon to provide it with, to provide a construction point for starships to go out of system. Now, the concept is great, but it is going to have a what I call a beneficial side effect that I question whether they're thinking about. And that is that the moment they put that asteroid in in uh, in orbit, essentially giving the moon a moon, it will have a direct impact on the atmosphere that's already there, enhancing the atmosphere and bringing the moon into full color. Which ought to make things entertaining down on this planet. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> you know, that's, that's did, just yeah. one of these neat little things that They've already started working on, but they aren't telling people. Back in the back in the mid '80s, I found out about quite by accident. I found out about the shall we say lack of public knowledge when I discovered a fleet that had moved into the sector and was sitting inside the sun's corona that most people didn't know was there. Okay. None of the ships that are in that are in the area really want to wipe out Earth. None of them want to. Well, <laughs> on the whole, they don't want to wipe out mankind. Although some of them have found it rather a nice little addition to the menu, and people don't want to hear that. But you got to remember, at least not most people. You got to remember it is simply, to the off-worlders' way of thinking, part of the cycle of life. You know, that, that's just the way it, it runs. So when you're looking at where mankind is sitting, mankind is on a threshold. But here's the kicker to it. Mankind, because of the negativity that is being punched out there, that is being spread out over the airwaves, face-to-face, over the, you know, through the newspapers and the magazines, they are amplifying the instability of the planet itself. Net result, we have an increase in tectonic, atmospheric, 
and aquatic forces that is going to play havoc with mankind's population. And it brings us right back around to the FEMA camps that so many people think are governmental ways of trying to control or trying to cage mankind. And that is not the purpose of them at all. Do you do you have any idea what the do any of you actually know what the FEMA camps are or what they're for, why so many coffins are being built? Do tell. What's your theory? Well, I take it that's a no. <laughs> the, well, the problem, I like, like uh, I limited information, but I'm not in the know. I'm not in that loop, so you know what do I know? Okay, back. Back in in the Middle Ages, when the bubonic plague hit, we caught wind of the bubonic plague hitting a a city a number of miles, quite a number of miles north of us. And we, me and the other and the other undertakers at the time, knew this was going to be a problem. And we went into into overdrive, if you will, trying to build coffins to contain what we figured would be a mass amount of death. Well, we couldn't keep up with it. Now, the governments around the world have seen this same issue. They've noticed the same thing. It's not going to be a plague, but they, have, they are aware of some catastrophes that are going to happen. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And we are going to be looking at in excess of 2 billion dead. Now... The coffins are to try and make, contain the bodies that end up on the planet, that end up on the ground. Because rest assured with what's coming, and, the, and I will go into that in about five seconds here, but most of the bodies will end up in the ocean. And the reason for it is this neat little island in the Canaries that is known to be getting ready to split. The scientists know that when it does, it's going to create a tsunami that stretches from about the middle of the east coast of Argentina all the way up to the St. Lawrence Seaway and run a minimum of 12 miles inland. Now, that's only one of three of the, of the tsunamis that's going to be triggered by that event. And yet, instead of when, dealing with the... When is going to happen? How do you what, know when is Did you happen? say when or what? Yeah, when? When will these things happen? You know, we have uh, Yellowstone, uh, the volcano's going to blow. We have all these things, but there's, uh, does anybody know when all this stuff's going to happen? Well, let's put it this way. Um, there is an old saying that goes, nobody will know the exact hour, which is, quite frankly, because the calendar has been changed too much. But if calculations are correct, you're looking less than two years. Okay. How's that for bad news? Well, I've heard all this before, and uh, I'm sure everybody has. So let's let's go roundtable here. Uh, TJ, do you have any comments on the latest topic? The uh, I call it apocalypso. We actually have a dance for it. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts and ideas on this apocalypso? Is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Can the ETs do something? Will the ETs do something, et cetera, et cetera? Well, we're, we're, we're interdimensional beings. We don't that that is something that's on the planet. 
and we create the energy here, and we are part of the whole system with Mother Earth and the crystals that are underneath the planet and everything that is stored energetically. So we all are playing a part in this particular uh, cosmos as to what wants to go. It's still one of those in and out as uh, we're discussing, I guess, and what we put in is what we're going to get out. So we all decide unanimously, and after the 7 billion point, you know, we have enough energy to say we will do this or we will not do that. So it's still the old paradigm. What's, which road do you want to take? What do you want to put in your space? What do you want to take with you when you leave the planet? We're all here to serve ourselves. And as the he talked about the three points, you know, whether it's yourself or uh, doing to others as you would have them do unto you, all that Christ-like stuff regarding the planet and all those things, we do what we can do with what we have, and, and you know, we say we are who we are. But regarding the planet shifting and all those, uh, as you said, the apocalyptic, you know, we've been saying that it doesn't matter what universal uh, order we ascribe to, what do we put into our minds and our spirits? So I don't uh, go there. I mean, if, if, if Mother Earth is shifting, and we all know it does with, based on the tectonic plates, that's called global tectonics. And what we do with economics is global tectonic economics. And will that affect us? Sure. But we have earthquakes every day. You know, we have changes every day. And our minds, uh, I go with the as above, so below, sure, but also go about linear and vertical thinking and whole brain thinking. And I was under the impression that we were all going to do a little better after 12-2012 and working with the mind calendar and all the various historical groups and everything that we put into our minds. We're still here discussing the same old, same old, because we keep falling into the same trap. So where I'm at in my spiritual journey is to put as much positive in and understand that uh, what I talk about is what people will think of me while I'm here. And I have many memories of many past lives and working with people off planet. And for me, just coming out and being me, uh, you know, I'm not that worried about the Canary Island area splitting. If I did, I'd have to worry about every earthquake every day. So I've learned not to worry and to not fall into the uh, end of the world or the end of the Bible or or apocalyptic thought process. I just don't put those thoughts in my head. Now, what I do is try to move forward and help people go forward with what do they want to accomplish while they're here and life coaching. And that is what do they come to me and what do they think will make them a better person or when they leave here because having just experienced my husband's death, you know, in the last, uh, well, you know, he died on the second. I'm very much aware of of, uh, being interdimensional and knowing that I want to see him when I leave here again. And he was one of the best, you know, commanders on this planet and off. And it's a real Star Wars type of uh, situation. So if if we can help with this radio show, people not worry about Canary Islands and things like that. Like worry, like you said, you start with yourself. And the whole Christ-like energy is about learning to be not just linear thought processing, but vertical thought processing, and that makes your cross, which they saw, in, you know, Constantine and all them changed the world and all that. Well, that was all about trying to get people to understand light energy and how we use ourselves as above, so below, light energy and all these thoughts. But people have to want that. And 
I'm not I'm not trying to judge anybody as to where they're at in the levels, but from what I've experienced is my neighbors they don't even think like me. You know, so I know my neighbors and they just as soon keep a gate on at the end like you've got Janet. You know, the the working with your neighbors and knowing your neighbors, sure you can know them, but they don't inter interact with me. So what we're doing here is something has brought all four of us together to interact and to become an amusement or entertainment or education or information to others that choose to call in and listen and I appreciate all those people. But what we're creating now I don't I'm not really about the what's gonna happen universally other than raising my consciousness to be a whole brain thinker and participate in what I can do to make the world better. So I still come from that new age space I guess, but I was never part of the new age. I was part of something totally different. Now I did the eleven eleven and we did all this stuff and I made a world go a global corporation go without the internet. And I've done some extremely amazing things without money and without anything but thought. So I've learned we are what we think. We are what we know. And I'm really trying to do my part by being here now. And that's a big thing. So if we can get everybody just to start with themselves and have fun and make the world a better place, then maybe they'll help, like uh, Mr. Andrews is saying here, is to help you know help yourself. And then if you can, help your neighbor and then help your community and get involved, if you can, at the various levels as you expand yourself, you expand your consciousness, if that's what you want to do. But we can't tell everybody what to do with their level of ex- of, of existence. And that's what I'm seeing. It doesn't matter whether I'm here working underground, uh, working off planet at the space you know level, or getting us to Mars again, or working with terraformers are going and visiting the Supreme High Council, and, you know, all those levels exist in me, and I believe everybody has those levels. But do they want to know about it? Maybe not. Maybe when they come and the veil's down, they choose to play the game of life with the veil down. That's what I see a lot, Don't you know, just saying. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> a lot of people keep the veil Karen. down, like my, some of my neighbors, mm-hmm. you know. What do you do about that? Right. But I'm not worried about the island splitting two years. Okay. Karen, what do you what's your comments and feedback and thoughts and um, all that good well, stuff? Well my philosophy right now about disasters or apocalypso, uh I've had a lot of time to think about it because I was in a religion that was very invested in apoco- the apocalypse, you know, in, in the Bible revelation and they studied all the kind of scary things that were there, and they studied uh, Fox Book of Martyrs where people were tortured and uh, killed for their faith and fed to the lions and all that. So it was just kind of a fear-based uh, thing going on there. And uh, early on I confronted, you know, my thoughts about that. Uh, I was, I think I've mentioned before, I was in the duck and cover generation where we were, you know, it wasn't earthquakes, uh, might have been riots, but we were told to duck under our desks protection from something big that would happen so i i grew up a little bit on the fearful side a little bit uh you know thinking that why was i on this planet i was very it was very distressing and I, I i came to it this way i came to it about the thought of okay so if you have a tsunami or some disaster i lived in california so we had the earthquakes to worry about and and let's say ten thousand people died which has happened in earthquakes in china in a few places um, 
the person, when you're in the zone, the death zone, so to speak, you're not going to sense that 10,000 other people are dying with you. Isn't it horrible? You're really going to have your own personal experience of exiting out, however it happens. But it's the people who survive who are the ones that are horrified about the great death count and whatnot. And so, but every single day we have people dying from all kinds of things all over the world. So we have an apocalypse, though, in a sense, going all the time as part of the cycle of life, as you were saying earlier. So what what I thought about that is that that would be your experience. You'd have your own death in that situation, not undifferent un- or uh, different from a, a auto accident or you catch an illness or any of that. You're going to be focused on your own experience exiting your human life. And so I, I kind of thought, oh, okay, well, I'm, you know, you don't get out of this thing alive, right? <laughs> you don't take it with you. Um, you, you know, you're, you're, if you've been born here, chances are, unless we have some major changes in, in medical technology or something, you're going to exit out of here somewhere. And I've been around a number. I had like a number of relatives die within a fairly short time. So I went to that process with family members. And um, there's a there's a process. It's a very human process that goes on. And they use the fear of death or fear or just even just uneasiness to control us. That's that's the uh, in the labyrinth. That's the walls. I don't want to go over there because that scares me. Okay. And what. I came to believe is, as far as like the whole Earth, is it probably does have some kind of cycle. But in this particular juncture right now, it's like we have that choice, right? We can continue to be negative and do the the, the fear, and then that goes into the anger and frustration and war, or we can make a personal decision, each of us or enough of us. A.R. Borden uh, talked about how it was like 3% or 1% or 1% or a percentage of us, it's like the rudder of a ship. We can turn the whole consciousness around. You can make the choice. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. When I talk, I get noise. You can make the choice in your mind, uh, you know, I'm going to be that rudder, or I'm going to make that choice. So I did. I began to choose every day that uh, this might be my last one, but I'm going to choose to be working towards positive goals, even if, something happens to me in that process. And so that that's kind of where I hit sit with that and I think um we're we're you know one of the things that I do for the anxiety that's left over from all that fear-based upbringing is to think about uh you know get a hold of my thoughts, get a hold of my energy, bring myself to center and as I've been learning that, I hear of other people learning that, and, and that's catching in some ways because you can only take so much of it. And it's like you they learn this in concentration camps and places. You can only scare people so much, and then they don't care anymore. So have they scared us enough? I mean, there's a mechanism that shuts off, right, of being resigned to your fate or whatever. Whatever that is, it, it, it's a weird human thing that's very positive in a way. It's like we can say, okay, I don't care about this thing that I'm, you know, this thing that I'm afraid of, I'm going to rise, go past it. And there's that beautiful litany of fear in the Dune series of, that, uh, you know, I'm going to go past the fear. Um, and it's it's a basic thing. Um, with, and I try to think about when we're listening here, but, but I, with Andrew Bishago and Alfred Weber and other people that I've heard, 
there, the, the secret government discovered we really do have two paradigms lining up, a fear paradigm or a positive paradigm, uh, a, a, a apocalypso or the golden age. We're in a choosing time. Maybe it's a personal one. Maybe we're going to choose which way we want to go. So I'm just kind of putting that out there because if it, it happens, um, you know, some disaster happens, then then you, you pass out of life like you would some other way. So I'm just kind of putting that as my personal philosophy of what I've observed. And Thank I you. <laughs> okay, Keith, back to you. Are you yeah, there? Um, go ahead. Uh, your turn. Whatever you want to talk about or uh, feedback or address something else, it's uh, your turn. Well, I think I'm going to pass this the- round. I just... Uh, yeah, apocalypse. That's all I have to say. Okay, next. <laughs> yeah the the one thing the one thing that I, that I do want to just tie that off with is where it comes to any of the natural things of the of the if you will the the whole array of earthquakes and what have you that happen. Absolutely, you can't dwell on the ones that you can do so that there's nothing that can be done. Like for instance, when Yellowstone goes, it's going to go. The problem with the one in the Canaries is it's actually stoppable by man. The tsunami itself, not the quake, but the tsunami itself can be stopped. But that's where you run into the problem. And the whole, the whole thing you've got to look at, and this is one of the biggest issues around why this planet is of so much importance to so many people. Ironically enough, the people it's most important to aren't taking care of it. Okay, and the people that it frankly is most important to are the humans. You know, I mean, let's face it, the amount of toxins and the amount of poison that's being put out, and I'm referring to the actual chemical poisoning that mankind is doing, um, it, it, I find it kind of fascinating that mankind is turning around in spite of the number of off-worlders that have intervened, that have come in and stopped certain man-made cataclysms from happening, not the least of which was, I believe it was 1986 when there was the, when the states went to, I believe, DEFCON 4 and they fired up all the nuclear missiles. When the off-worlders came in and shut all the nuclear, all the nuclear missile heads down, the nuclear warheads, they just shut them off. Now, that was them stepping in to stop something that mankind was way too close to doing at a at a panic point. But stopping a, a small war or picking people up on the whole and trying to correct the pollution, the people that have to correct the pollution are the ones that are actually, shall we say, legislating the permission of it. And those are the people that the different populations around the world, the different governments, that are being either elected or taking dominant control are making happen. That's where things have to stop. Now, the the funny part about it, I'm gonna um, I look at the the whole political thing. And if we go off world, the 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 reptilians I deal with primarily, the ones that I've dealt with the longest, if you will, are the Thrasazians, the seven and a half to eight and a half foot armored reptilians. And they have a very simple political way of doing things. They do have their elections. They do get people into power. But when the population does not 
feel that they are doing a, a good job. And when I talk about the population, I'm not talking about the people that are theoretically old enough to vote. A child can question whether or not somebody in power has is doing a, a job that's right. When enough people say, no, that's wrong, that person, that, that Shrozazian is asked to step down. Now, there's no shame in their eyes. If you've tried doing a job and you can't do it, there's no shame in stepping down and going and doing something of a lesser title. If you're not qualified for the one, go back and do what you were doing. But humans have this idea when you get promoted, if you get demoted, it's a, it's a slap against you. It's some sort of an insult. And all it is, in all fairness, is saying, hey, you were good at what you did, but this is not your joy, your, your forte. If a Thrasazian says, I'm not stepping down, and it does happen, well, quite frankly, they're killed on the spot. The masses take them out. Now, the reality of mankind is take any city, and we say it's government control. Well, if you think about it, take 100,000, any city anywhere in the world of 100,000 people, just for example, you may have 500 people that are actually operating the city, okay, that are laying down the laws, that are handling bylaws, handling city affairs, that sort of thing. Okay, that's 500 to 100,000. The 500 are not the ones that actually have control. The people have given them all of the control and said they make up the rules so we have to follow them. They forget, the common populace, I mean, forgets that the trick to making the cities run better, to getting your society back in your control so that it can grow, so it can prosper, and everybody can survive, you know, can thrive, is for the people that are not sitting in office, and even a lot of the people that are in office, to go, no, this isn't right. We're going to have a change, and if you guys don't want to change it, then we're just simply going to evict you. Because rest assured, if you've got a city council of a dozen people and 10,000 show up on the doorstep, that dozen people is not going to be able to function. It will come to a halt. And I don't get me wrong, I am not suggesting by any stretch that we overthrow everybody that's in office. The point being, people have to realize that if you're not going to say something about it, if you're not going to, quite frankly, force the issue in a peaceable fashion of getting the proper laws, the proper guidelines in place that are unilaterally Effective. In other words, it doesn't matter what age you what income bracket you're at, the same law applies. When people can do that, when they finally get it straight and start doing that, that is when society starts to shift. Because the reality is the politicians are necessary. You have to have a core in order for civilization to evolve. But there are certain things that the politicians don't need to be regulating. But, you know, you sort of have to start looking at the prior at what it is that society requires, never mind the guy sitting in the seat. And that's where it's gone to. Well, it makes one question, who's running the world? 
It's not Dr. Stephen Greer, right? <laughs> With no. all his ET connections. Yeah. So a lot of these, we have a we have a level that we express here on the Alien Contact Organization that there is such a thing as an alien contact organization. And within that scheme of thing, we do have interdimensionals. And people that are like us are probably looked at as rare, strange, what the heck are you talking about, and how can you call yourselves, you know, alien contactees or experiencers or interdimensionals or immortals or, you know, lucid dreamers, uh, remote viewers. I mean, all the paranormal phenomenologists, whatever it is, it all, you know, we've been sort of looped together, but it's starting to extract itself, like pulling teeth, you know, and we're, we have to start deciding who is running this world. And those of us that have the, uh, there's a lot of people call it academia, some intellectuals, and those working with world in, in the intelligence community, which I was very fortunate to have worked at in a 3D reality and, you know, human form, is the fact that I wasn't allowed to talk like this. I walked and talked just like anybody else in the Matrix. Black suit, black glasses, men in black kind of thing. Of course, I was a woman. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, that kind of lifestyle and then becoming a psychic. Of course, then I was the one that was as a psychic and said, okay, thanks. I'm going to go be the psychic now. They were watching me. So I've always been watched, but I wasn't allowed to play the game. And so even those in the intelligence world... We were always watching who was controlling the world. And this was very globally accepted country to country. And if anybody that was watched, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm innocent as far as that goes. I mean, we've had people in cyberspace say, oh, she's, you know, that one guy negative, I called Janet one day about a, a post on me, was the fact that I was harmless, you know, because I was considered a nut, I guess, on one, only one out of, of, out of, you know, millions of hits on different websites. But only one guy, because I wrote for UFO Digest, decided he'd put me and give me a number. So I guess I made it because I came a number on his list. You can find it out there, folks, on YouTube. But the fact is, we were all about in the intelligence world. And from what I could see, it all came back to the KGB, Russia, and how they had so many people just, they starved them and how Stalin, all those people did that versus how we were doing over here. And then, of course, Hitler. And all these are beings that came down to this planet and decided they were going to control the world and however they were going to do it. And they could only get so far before the farmers and uh, the little guys. I don't know how you want to say it, folks, because I'm down there with you, I promise. I'm way down here on the bottom rung, and I like it. And I can see just as much from the bottom tip of the Merkaba or Merkaba or yourself uh, as I could on the top off planet. So, you know, still it doesn't matter. There's some type of hierarchy everywhere I have experienced. Now, I don't like the word, but and I don't like levelized, but I have heard the word in intelligence called levelized. And journalists and people like us uh, in cyberspace, we're called influencers. And this is in the intelligence world. And what we're doing right now, we won't get the hits to be even looked at, none of us. However, if we all become together a unified reality, that's what they're concerned about, the entire alien ET UFO community. And right now, the way their intel gathering is through entertainment, which is this show, had I been able to get up, but they wouldn't even let me. I got a, phone, a busy phone call, so 
when this gets uploaded, folks, the reason we weren't live was because they shut me down or whatever. I'm going to find out from who we broadcast through, uh, Comcast and uh, Blog Talk, why I couldn't get online. But fortunately, Janet could, so that doesn't make sense. But, you know, deep national security is a big topic now. And that's going along with also what Janet likes to talk about, or many people are bringing forth with experiencers, is the other shoe on how the who's controlling the world. And we all have these uh, conspiracy theories, is what they're called, but allegedly, purportedly, nobody can prove it. And even those in government, and I'm not poo-pooing the government because they're all humans trying to make a living, and some of them are whistleblowers, meaning they go in, they see and say, that's not right, and I've been on the inside, and I had the same feeling many times. But I would either bring it up or be in charge if we had internal investigations. And I even got transferred from one state or country or from you know Chicago to Hawaii because the COs and XOs were under investigation. And I was the next one on the totem pole. So we do have internal ops. And around the world, yes, we have internal ops for who's controlling the world. And all I can tell you right now is every country does put somebody in charge. And we do have intelligence that will monitor all that to see who's controlling the world. But right now, from what I understand, what we're doing right now is only going to be beneficial if all of you guys get involved like we are and start being the people talking and communicating and sharing information. And when it comes time to vote, you actually vote, which scares the heck out of those little people. They're thinking they're controlling the parties. You know, the GOP and uh, Democrats and National and you know all these others. That's what scares media and the people with the money behind the media. Because as long as we allow them with the money to control the masses the way it's been done, they're going to keep doing it. So we all have to do our part. So right there it goes again, what Mr. Andrews says. It starts with us, the beginning, the where we're sitting inside these bodies, these clay skin suits, right? <laughs> so, okay, I get off. That's my deal. Okay. <laughs> Who's controlling the world? Karen. Karen, go ahead. Well, I want to bring up something I haven't really talked about publicly, but I've talked to Janet and uh, others about, and that is, uh, and, and I hope they do it while I'm talking, but uh, on the three shows that I've been on as a co-host, uh, I've had a phenomenon where there's been background noise, and I don't know mm-hmm. if people caught that. We had a big, uh, large noise just the last time I spoke. It's been going on for three years. I think I, I just think it's they're very, I'm very interesting, <laughs> uh, and I've also now tracked this noise that goes on behind some people to other shows. In fact, uh, I recently listened to the, the girl Heather, who's uh, taking up the post after Art Bell had to uh, leave the air. I don't know if people know he had to leave the air due to multiple death threats and all kinds of problems. And this girl, Heather, came on, and she was talking about the things that were going on with Art Bell, and I was listening to this clip, and I was hearing those sounds again. So it'll be scratching noises and electronic beeps and bloops, sometimes heavy breathing, sometimes rattling and banging. I just uh, gave it a name and called it. I don't know if you guys can hear a chicken. There's like an electronic That's chicken. That's Janet's. Hawaii oh, no, has wild chicken. Oh, it's a real chicken. Oh, it's a real chicken. Okay, <laughs> I have, uh, that's great. Okay, so we have a, real. You know, a cyber chicken. No, we have a real chicken. But I mean, uh, uh, because of the nature of, of the bangs and the heavy breathing and the heavy breathing. And cyber and the, chickens. 
Yes. Uh, because yeah, it, hey, it's to wake everybody up, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, and I wanted to talk about this because uh, I I am aware as a psychic, I am aware when I'm being monitored, I'm aware I'm being being affected. Very many people are targeted, and they have you know electronic types of things going on in their lives, or or even psychic attacks or monitoring or that sort of thing. I I, I don't talk about it very often. But uh, I actually named this phenomenon because of the heavy breathing and the chains and rattling. I named it. You know, here at Christmas time we have that uh, Scrooge story that comes out, and there's that uh, Jacob Marley who haunted Scrooge and was rattling his chains. So I just call it Jacob Marley. But uh, but but other people have had far more um, uh, targeted, far more uh, higher level of targeting. Sometimes I'm aware they're on a phone call, and I just say, okay, you guys, you can listen. You'll probably learn something. Sometimes I say, uh, uh, you know, you may observe, but you can't interfere, because I know at the psychic level there's some rules. You know, there's some there's some universal laws about things like that. And sometimes I say to them, the watchers are watched. They need to know that, that when they're watching me and monitoring me, they're being watched as well, especially the psychic ones. They need to know that there's a, a governance higher than them. Uh, so, you know, I'm just saying that because I've not said it before, but, uh, but you know, there are these, we influencers are being monitored. We, we get deterred sometimes. Phone calls won't work and uh, equipment radio won't work. Radio shows won't work. My yeah. radio show won't work. I'm getting a busy signal yes. through computer, my phone. Computer equipment will will break. You know, we're, those of us doing this work, you you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. How difficult it is. We often have people go completely crazy around us for no particular reason at at the time <laughs> that we're trying to do something important. I guarantee you, if I'm trying to 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 record something, I'll have all of a sudden so much noise it's ridiculous, you know, and it's, it's human based because humans are very influenced by energy and influenced by some of the beings that they, you know, take pick up with. So uh, and that, some people talk about the influence of the archons, and I, I can go with that because I've seen it. But well, we are the company we keep, and thoughts are things. And yeah, when you mention well, archons, I just, they're I, Yeah, I just keep going. I just say, you know, right. hey, guys, I'm going to do my thing, and that's how it is. I'm not, I used to be afraid, but I'm not. Now I go forward, and, and just be emboldened. If you come into this kind of work, if you decide to be an activist, if you're thinking about it and it's burning in your heart, just go. Just go for it. And keep, and the one thing they tell me when I'm discouraged, they say, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, which is like a broken record. But uh, when I reach out to my guides and I say, am I, you know, is, is, am I sure about this? Is this what I really signed up for? They say, keep going, keep going, keep going. It does make a difference. And as I've been keeping going, I've been shocked from 2012 when I decided to come out as an experiencer so now I'm I'm helping to co-host, and, and I don't toot my own horn or anything. It's just I'm amazed at what opportunities came my way and where I could be helpful just because I listened to my heart. I went out and I started doing what little things I could and learned learned what I've learned and kept going. And that, and I'm trying to talk to people who are, are, are they're probably trying to overcome those fears. They've had that targeting. They've had those challenges. I'm surprised at how financially I seem to be glued together barely, and I think I'm not going to be able to do something, and all of a sudden something changes and I can still do the work. I'm stunned at that, um, how the timing of that. It's just like an angelic intervention, you know, like a divine intervention. 
So I, you know, this is a different time. We're going to a different time to be much more proactive. In spite of all those people watching, monitoring, keeping score, whatever their deal is, some of them are going to turn. Some of them are going to become whistleblowers. Some of them listening right now are going to get over their fear, and they're going to say, yeah, that's right. Like someone said earlier, it's like they see what's wrong, and they say, hey, that's wrong. I need to say something about that. I love that. I don't necessarily like it. They knock off their, uh, you know, electoral people. Uh, but you know, uh, what if the, what if the top was beholden to the bottom? What if it was the people in the upper echelons were had to listen to what the frontline lower echelon people were dealing with? What if they had to to walk among us and find out, you know, that this financial arrangement that we have right now, where they literally from the Bible, they have us make bricks without straw. We're building with not enough building materials, trying to build a society, trying to sustain a society. What if they had to hear that and they were beholden to that? That would be very interesting. And I think we're there. I think that uh, the movement, like the basic income movement, which I've talked about in other shows and I won't talk about right now, is that the bottom ends of it are trying to figure out, okay, this is, system is upside down. You're watering the economic uh, leaves top parts of the plant, but not the roots. It's not working. It's not sustainable. So, yeah, that, that's one of the things that contact with ET races gives us is a comparison. How do they deal with problems in their society compared to how we deal with ours? And that is one big reason why we're not allowed to know other societies, generally speaking, because we might find some ideas that wouldn't necessarily work for the you know people at the top. They might have to go sit by the sideline while we get the work done a different way. So with that, I will hand over the uh, virtual talking stick. Can I say something real okay. quick, Janet? Can I sure, say something? Sure, go ahead. Uh, it's burning sure. inside me, which it, it's just burning Burn inside share. me because I'm really analyzing these levels of intelligence and levels of existence and whole brain thinking and how we use our uh, psychic abilities, because I believe everybody's psychic, okay? And the fact that what we're doing and what we're co-creating here. And the burning is in my stomach is the fact that uh, when she was speaking, I kept seeing and visualizing all the levels I've worked with in the past and how uh, I've, I've worked with groups and multimillionaires in watching the stock market and knowing how they track everything. And I've been very fortunate to have worked with various uh, levels of existence, and they truly become hypnotized into their existence and their culture. And I don't know if it was Goldie Hawn or somebody else, uh, someone like that. There was a very famous actress, and excuse me, Goldie, if it wasn't you, and it's okay. It wasn't Goldie. It was another woman, another blonde, and uh, I can see her, but I can't tell your name. I'm terrible with names. I remember faces. But she really didn't know there was poor people in America. She didn't know people were good. She really didn't. And, and, and I saw this in my 30s, you know, since being on the plane is one thing. And then in, in stepping out and being who one really is at various levels is another thing. But when I was walking and talking inside the matrix and various levels and careers, I was very fortunate to get this burning in me. And that even the FBI would say, go with your gut, right, when I was doing investigations and worked, you know, in, in Intel and traveling the world, and go with the gut, and they would let you, and they wanted the the single man, the lone person, to go out. Now, you may have four or five behind you that you don't know about working in a team, which is normal, but they let the person that is on the case, on the, the point guy, okay, the lead investigator, 
and you go off and you just go out and get the facts. And you do it because you're out there all alone, and your your objective is to find out as much as you can. And and it gives you a point of origin, you know, which we all know we have to be. But the point, Karen, I was hearing you is these various levels that control the world. We're looking at who controls the world. There are various levels, and they get hypnotized into their level of existence, and that is exactly how they can trick you into thinking the world is better place than it is or a more negative place than it is. And, of course, you know, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, right? That's the most famous saying, I guess, that I've ever heard on a philosophy for the entire world. So the point being that you made a point here, and I heard it, and you talked to me on so many levels of my existence, that we can all assist each other, but also remember, they're as bad as I hate to say it, because it seems negative, is the fact that we are levelized on this planet. And they're, they're false uh, glass ceilings, as I think Hillary Clinton said, she broke a glass ceiling, or the women have broke a glass ceiling, or something to that effect. There are various levels of issues, problems, and solving. So it seems to be like the Rubik's Cube, you know. We're here and we're all about our individual souls and our individual spirits and all the past lives or future lives. And we're all playing this out. And it's not just linear and it's not just vertical anymore. It's all-encompassing. And I, Charlie wanted to tell you that I really believe that a lot of these people are worried because they realize we're waking up to the fact that we are all multi-dimensional beings we're not just 3d reality and if they can't control the matrix with all the movie and now we've got star wars and google has this clip where i didn't put it there google did you know how they control us now in cyberspace like they do with televisions but the fact that i woke up and it said okay are you a light worker are you on the dark you got to choose light or dark and it wouldn't let me use my google until i chose light or dark so of course i chose light but it looked like the dark red side was pushing harder than the blue side, the good people. And I heard that's going to be the new movement. I mean, not that it's not never been on this planet, but people, who's controlling the world? Is it the red dark side or is it the light light side? And that's Star Wars back out. So I'll give it back to you, Janet. But that was a very important levelized. And are you good on the light or are you on the dark side? Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Back to you, Keith. Well, the neat part about who controls the world, I guess technically who's controlling it right now is the, you know, whoever it is you want to call the government. The world we have to realize, the, the, the world itself on the whole is not controlled by an individual or, for that matter, by even a group of individuals. However, each of the different countries is. Okay. And the, the reason I say that the, you know, yes, there is interaction and what But the real control, and this is what people have forgotten, and, you know, it, it, since you're bringing movies into it, it was actually brought into into very solid solid view in a in a movie a long time ago called The Bug's Life, where yeah. one person raising a stink wasn't a problem, uh-huh. right? They couldn't do anything. Yeah. But a whole colony of people raising the same stink is certainly going to. Okay. And 
that's what has to happen. But people have to realize, and I mean, even the people at the lowest end, as well as all the way up through the upper end, people have to get it straight that the people at the upper end are, frankly, no better or worse than the people with the lower income. You know, everybody, it doesn't matter who they are, if they're male, they still put their pants on the same way. Okay, assuming that they've got all their limbs. You know, and what people have to realize is, yes, I do agree with you that it is a, a false setup that has, as you called it, levelized the the economy. People are, they fall into a, quite frankly, a, a mind-washing process that has completely screwed things up. And this is, the the thing is, this isn't being done by off-worlders. This is being done by mankind. Because you go back, way back when society first started evolving, and I mean we're talking back during the clan days, it was the people who could figure out how to control people by amplifying their fear, by playing on their insecurities. Those are the ones that ended up in power. Because on the whole, humans seem to have this need to have somebody guide them. And whether it's a good path or a bad path, they don't have to make the decision on the whole. Hence the term sheeple. And what we've got to, one of the biggest things that I, one of the biggest differences I find with me and a lot of people is I keep trying to tell people the political system, the pedagogical system, the priesthood, and the parental system are all absolutely necessary for society to evolve, as is a one-world government. But the fact of the matter is that they need a massive overhaul. And personally, I'd I'd prefer doing it without the cataclysms, and, you know, especially the ones that can be stopped. You know, you brought up the issue of of Hitler being an interesting, (laughs) shall we say, problem. The first four years of his of his reign, when you look at it, he actually was doing not necessarily in the right way, but he had the right idea. Okay, what threw him overboard was quite frankly he got syphilis, and that created a problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you go nuts; it'll really kind of screw things up on the on the logic side. But his idea even though the methodology was wrong. And this is not, you know, don't get me wrong, it's not a question of whether he should have done it or shouldn't. His concept was that society needed to be guided by one person. And the reality is where we talk about a global government, somebody's going to have to make the decision eventually. But it's got to be a, it's got to be taking all of the different continents into consideration because the person sitting, for instance, in New York, somebody sitting in, on Fifth Avenue in New York is not going to have a clue how to live in the outback of Louisiana. So they need somebody that can talk to the people there to translate it, to make sense of it so that they can work accordingly. Okay. This is why the interactive political system, why the pedagogical system, the schools, are necessary. But you are right. The people at the top 
have to start talking to the broom pushers to find out what's going on because they really are disconnected from it. I hear Janet on the computer clicking away. <laughs> okay. Yeah, never mind. I, I, you told me to do something and I'm doing it. I'm a very good person. <laughs> it's just, I guess your sound, your sound picks up. Yeah, your sound picks up the little clicks. It did earlier. I didn't say anything. I okay. Looked, but... Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on mute when I'm listening. Okay. So, yes. Um, who wants to talk next? We're at, well, almost out of time. How about? We'll yeah, we've only got eight minutes. We need to round it up with how to get in touch. Hour. Okay. How to get so in touch with everybody? Words, final words. Uh, wrap up any comments. Final words. We have about two minutes each person. Oh, let's start with Karen. Karen, final words. Uh, yeah, I just was. This has been a very interesting conversation. Not what I expected to be, but delightful. <laughs> uh, deep, deep thinking. <laughs> I love it. We all put our thinking caps on and really dug deep, and I like that. So, for my final words, um, <clears throat> one of the things that happened to me was I started doing automatic writing. I my the, I started doing it in 2009, having no idea what I was writing, and, and now it made a lot more sense these years later. And the main theme was uh, some group giving me different ideas, new ideas of how do we do organization. And they emphasized the idea of holarchy, and they juxtapositioned it with the hierarchy that we have. And so, you know, if I want to pick a president, my president's going to have one capacity that I want. I want that person to work themselves out of a job. I don't want to care what they have for breakfast. I don't want to know anything about them that much except that they're, you know, sitting in that seat making sure that everyone is provisioned, that everyone is able to do for themselves. This is the thing that frustrates me is that we have a decider class. We have a class of people who decide everything. And that didn't used to be a couple hundred years ago. People had to decide if they were going to milk the cow, decide if they were going to build a new cabin. They decided for themselves. And we've transferred our our capacity, our human ability and capacity for making up our homes and our households and our lives up the chain. And I think that needs to be reversed. So I want some I want leaders who, you know, like a teacher. A teacher works themselves out of the job. You're not you don't stay in school for the rest of your life. You graduate because you've learned things and you're ready to apply them. That's the way I want to see my leaders be. Is that they just kind of un, untie the knots that happen uh, decide between two opposing parties that need to come to some kind of consensus. But I don't want this micromanagement that we have. And so, you know, I, I keep talking about the basic income guarantee, and I'll tell you what it gets rid of. It gets rid of the micromanagement, the decider class that decides every little thing that a human being, an adult, grown adult, should be able to decide for themselves. So I'm involved in that movement. If you guys want to check that out, basicincome.org, check it out because it's going to get rid of this micromanagement and unhook all that financial, you know, that gets took. Like they give these uh, departments, a, uh, you know, $10. On every dollar, The only $0.10 cents goes to the client population, and the rest is all tied up in the system. So I'm, I want an upside-down world. I want a world where we can make our own decisions, and that person in the outback of Louisiana, uh, swamp probably, and uh, somebody in – uh, Fifth Avenue, they don't need a third party to decide all the little details. They decide for themselves, unless there's some kind of conflict, and then that's where leadership can shine. 
But that's my two bits for this session, and it's been great talking to you. Very deep thinkers. Thank you. Hello? Hello. Okay, go uh, ahead. You're done. What happened? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. She said she's done for today's show, and we've got five minutes. So I'm going to pass. Um, TJ, you want to wrap it up and then pass the stick to, uh, to Keith to finish out the show. We just have a few minutes left. Sure. Uh, everyone out there that will be hearing this archive, I Appreciate you trying to call in or tune in on your smartphones and everywhere else, the Stitcher and iTunes, where we place this. And I apologize for it not live streaming tonight on our particular blog talk radio, TGMRC T Radio. And we'll place it on our many, many websites. And Janet and I are co marketing together to help more people like Mr. Andrews here get out there to you so you can look him up on websites and uh, find his books and how he can assist you if you're interested in his life coach abilities or agenting or consulting or organizing. And the same thing goes for Karen Christine Patrick, Janet Carolesson, and I am also Teresa J. Morris, known as T.J. Morris to many. And uh, we're going to be coming together, and I've put a GoFundMe for an ET UFO event out there, which could be why I'm starting to get more interesting uh, communication problems. Who knows what it is. But uh, I am going to be doing more work, and uh, I, I feel like I'm on 24-7, and I'd like to address what Karen said about people in, in who's controlling the world and our, our leaders here in the United States of America, because we do go out worldwide, is the fact that I, w- I would like to see the gentleman that are ca- female, uh, male or female, whomever, hopefully humanoid, sentient, intelligent being with enough understanding of humanoid uh, behavior, that we need one of them. And if they're going to be in, then please, you know, I don't get to take a vacation, okay? And nothing makes me more upset to see the President of the United States out playing golf or taking all these vacations, okay? These are these are people are making decisions for us in the United States of America, not to mention the most powerful position in the world. So, you know, I have a problem. If you're going to go in four years, then go in four years. Commit, right? You're getting paid... I don't get vacations. I don't get paid vacations. So I'm here on this planet doing what I can do 24-7, even lucid dreaming, interdimensional travel. I mean, I'm on all the time. And that's what I expected my soul and spirit to do. So I expect that of these leaders on the planet. So just just say it. That's what I expect. So uh, thank you, everybody, for AlienContact.org. We hope you will become a member. Join its free membership. And we have many others, including Eric Kopp on Thursday, and uh, I'll be doing readings, psychic readings, on Tuesday if you want to tune in. It's one of our most popular shows. And Janet Carolesson has several, including the Experiencers. And uh, that's it for me, Janet. Just uh, apologize and be sure and tune in tomorrow night, and we'll be doing a show. Janet does one on Revolution, and I do one on Blog Talk Radio. If I can get online, I don't know why on the weekend they've got a busy signal. Janet got on. Janet, I don't know why well, you I did and I didn't. Okay. <laughs> We don't know, but let's give Keith the last word. Keith, thank you for coming on, and go ahead. Last words for our listeners. Well, thank thank you very much for having me again, because it, it's been it's certainly been an enjoyable conversation. Um, the easiest way you mentioned tracking me down, the easiest way to find me, quite frankly, is you can track me down on on Facebook, um, Universal Portal of Peace. Is universalportalofpeace.com is another one of my sites, and the the real big thing that I want to get people that I just want to remind people of is it doesn't matter what race you are, what gender, what what particulars are about you. 
if you follow three simple guidelines, be true to yourself, do unto others as you desire them to do unto you, and energy out, energy in. If you follow, or more to the point, when you follow those three parameters, you will find that the society and the world around you will shift for the better. But you've got to focus on actually getting involved. I absolutely agree with you, with with the rest of the people here, that um, where it comes to people asking to go in and be a leader of a country, or for that matter, of a corporation, for pity's sakes, if you're going to take a leadership position, do the job. You know, don't go out on vacation. Don't go spending taxpayers' money to go and renovate your own Ten home. Seconds. Use your own money. You're getting paid Ten well seconds. enough. <laughs> Thank you. you know, right, we'll have you back. Oh, you know. <laughs> we'll have you back again, Keith. Thank you. We're out of time. And thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Much love and blessings. And aloha. I'm going to play the exit music, but it'll probably come on, come on after the show. Aloha, everybody. Yeah, we're off the air. Bye-bye. Bye.